Hey, Fitz Nation, as UFC 284 went down in Perth, Australia, I was lucky enough to get assigned to studio shows up at ESPN headquarters in Bristol, Connecticut. The last time I was at ESPN headquarters was way back in 2014 when I auditioned for a job. It was great to be back. I worked with Laura Senko and Anthony Smith, and I found some time to sit down with Anthony Smith at the hotel. Enjoy. Should we talk about your fight first? It was announced. Yeah. It's out there, right? Yeah, it's out there. It's out yeah. there in the world. It is. Johnny Walker mm-hmm. in May. Yeah, you know, that Johnny Walker's been a fight that he's kind of always been right there for a long time. It, it, it's been talked about. The matchmakers have talked about it several times. And for whatever reason, it just hasn't matched up. Um, and I guess here we are. He's doing well. He's looking yeah. good. Yeah. Um, had some date, you know, some date issues as far as scheduling it, but I think we're ready to go now. What was it like for you? Because you had Jamal Hill, you had Johnny, and then you had Jamal Hill, and everything's been pushed back for you. Yeah, what's been the, what's that been like? It's frustrating. Um, I've been, I always like to stay active. I, I do I do better just emotionally when I'm active and I'm constantly chasing something. I have a target, um, and I for the last three years I've been fighting once a year for three years, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, that part's been frustrating for me, for sure. What happens when you have the lower work rate? Like, why mentally? Like, what? Get inside your head. Like, what? Yeah, I just my I'm just spinning my wheels. Uh, I don't I don't do. I always have to be chasing something. Um, my grandpa's always explained, you know, all the way back to when I was a little kid. You're either a chaser or you're a front runner. And I'm not a good front runner. You know, guys that run from the front the entire time. I don't. I don't do well being self-motivated all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I find myself distracted, and I, I don't know. It's just hard to stay always stay on track. So I'm a I'm a much better chaser for sure. You mean like a front runner? Like they'll sit on a win, and it kind of keeps them going. Right. You know, I'm not like that at all. You put a win away, like right yeah, away. Yeah, I'll check it right away. So I, I I always just need the next thing. I I don't I don't do. That's why in between fights I I stack up desk jobs. Mm. because I have something, I have the next thing to look forward to, the next thing to work on, the next thing to study for, the next workout to get in. Um, if I don't have something to look forward to, I, I just don't do well. I just It just messes with me. When did you realize that? I've always been like that. Always. But um, like when in your head are you like, that's what I am. That's what I'm dealing with. Because if you don't, yeah. then sometimes it can feel like this crazy, horrible existence right? yeah. where you can never be satisfied. Yeah, I... I I probably realized that that was the problem. I think when I, probably 2013, when I blew my knee, mm. and it was the first time I was out for a really long time, and I just couldn't understand like why I was so depressed and why I was so down and sad and, and couldn't, I couldn't, re- I couldn't figure out why I was just so unhappy. And, and I think at the time, it was just my girlfriend, but it's my wife now, said, do you think it's because you don't have anything to look forward to? Like you're not pushing towards something? And I was yeah. like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's wild. It is wild. But it's great when you can figure that out about yourself. Yeah, it's also terrifying because I don't know what, a, what I'm going to do when I don't have this. Hmm. You know, I, I think that probably a lot of guys have similar issues. That's why it's, you know, guys hang around too long, guys stick in the game too long because they don't, it's not always a money thing. And it, I, if I never fought again financially, it wouldn't change anything for me. Right. My, my lifestyle wouldn't change. I still do the podcast, still got the desk work. Like, I live a super humble life. Um, but I don't know what I would do with my time 
and, and with all the energy and focus that I need to have. The media stuff wouldn't be enough. I don't think so. Is there a world where you see yourself like, well, I can still train and train and train, but I just won't actually get in there since that's more of your existence as a fighter anyways. It's like 98% training and 2% actual performance. Yeah. I mean, eventually it'll just be, I think that that's how a lot of guys kind of fade into retirement. I think, I think of guys like, I suppose it's a little hot button these days, but guys like, uh, like James Krause kind of did a similar thing. Like he didn't really, until the end, he didn't really make this huge announcement that he was retired. Right. I think everyone around him knew that. He just continued to train and to stop taking fights. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Zach Cummings, you know, another Kansas City guy is very similar to that. So I do think that that happens. Um, I think that, that my focus will just switch to something else, though. Yeah. Whether it be, you know, competitive jiu-jitsu, I think will probably be a focus. I mean, you know, I, I hunt a lot um, in between fights. I think that's some of it. It's just a, it's a competition to me. How old are you? 36? 34. 34. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, do you start thinking about that? 34? You're like, is, is it on the horizon to where you're like, uh, I'm starting to think about it? Or, I mean, Glover is 42. No, I, I, I don't want to fight into my 40s for sure. Um, unless I'm still competitive at a, at a high level. I, I, I don't want to be doing this. As, if, you know, if up-and-comers and super young guys are beating me up and, and I'm... If the title's not even an option anymore, I, I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I want to be the best. I want to chase the world title in the second that that's not a possibility or I've already done it. You know, then we'll start looking somewhere else. That was kind of Felder's thing. Like mm-hmm. he lost to Hooker, debatable. And then he lost to RDA and it was like, he's like, I have to win. I, I look at the roadmap and it's just like, I'm yeah. not going to do it. Yeah, maybe it's not worth it. Yeah. I think that... Felder and I, we've compared this before too. It's sometimes it's your kids too. Mm-hmm. You know, I've my oldest is 11 years old, and and all four of them they only know me as a competitive fighter. Right. At some point in time, I have a whole lifetime ahead of me still of doing something else. You know, God willing, I have another 34 years after this. So, I. It's like, how much do you want to continue to sacrifice? Mm-hmm. You know, how much, if I'm going to make the sacrifice, it has to be worth it. It has to be because I'm getting close to a title or, or I'm still in the hunt for a title. If we're just fighting the fighting. It's, it, I do training camps in Denver. I'm on the road all the time. It's the injuries and the surgeries and, and you miss a lot. I'm not going to make that sacrifice just to go fight on some undercard or some cool pay-per-view. I'm just, it's not <laughs> worth it, you know? I have a baby that's never right. going to know me as a cool fighter. Probably. I've never thought of this until just now because you said you compare it with Felder and you mm-hmm. had this conversation. Felder, two girls. Mm-hmm. You, four girls. Yeah. Do you think it has a a girl dad aspect to it? Do yeah. you think if you had boys, you'd be like, I want to chase it and chase it and chase it and never give up type of thing, right? Potentially. Cause it I could think be that, something. I think that boys understand that differently. I think that boys and girls are so different. So it... I think I think as fathers, I only have two boys, but I think as fathers, the messaging I hear from some people is like, they want to send a different message to their son than they do their daughter. For sure, right? For sure, and I and I, I just go back to, you know, I have a 16 month old, that likely, you know, it could change, but most likely, she will never know me as a famous high level competitive yeah, exactly, martial right? artist. Mm-hmm. I'm just dad to her, mm-hmm. and. 
I need to at some point accept that, that to whatever generation she's in, I'm, I'm just going to have to be something else. And I got to, at some point in time, I need to make that transition and not be, not be forced to. I don't, Chael always says that no one's ever done with this game. The game is just done with you. Hmm. I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather combat that as much as possible. Go out on your terms. Right. It's tough to do. Yeah. It's cause you always feel like you're leaving something on the table. I don't want to go, oh, Uncle Chael's got the best quotes, but everyone leaves this game face down and embarrassed. And then I'd rather not do that too many times. Yeah. It is tricky. And I always tell people, they're like, why do people in MMA retire? <clears throat> and then they always come back. Like, always. why is MMA known for that? Yeah. And I go, well, like even Felder right now, it's like, what if you could kind of work hard in the gym and put it together and you're a veteran and make like a six-figure chunk of change mm -hmm. for kind of putting your body through hell, but then it'll be over. Yeah. And you've done it a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, when do you say no to that ultimately? It's tough. It's really hard. You're always going to leave something Especially on the table. In the case of you, like you're a main event guy, mm -hmm. you're a pay-per-view main card type of guy, title challenger type of guy. It's just like, I, like, I could like go bare, make 200K, but like, now nah, I'm done. Like bare minimum, I'm going to break off a half million dollars every time. Right. So it's like, <laughs> like when, do you, when do you decide that enough is enough it's that's really tough yeah that's in in like felder there's a lot of guys most guys he would still beat yeah he, and he yeah. knows that yeah but like that's and to continue to say no it's just at the highest level is paul gonna struggle maybe but i think some of that is is where his focus is that's not you know he's not yeah. focused on being a top guy in the world but i don't have any doubts that most of the guys even in those rankings at 155 and as skinny as he is these days, maybe mm -hmm. 145, mm -hmm. uh, Paul Felder would do just fine with him, beat a lot of those guys. So that's that's why guys come back, because he sits on the outside and sees it. He breaks them down. He knows where he's at physically. Um, that's hard. To, it's hard to turn down. Not to mention, he um, not to dive too deep in on the Paul Felder rabbit hole, but he now, uh, he like he said on Rogan, he's just like, I have regrets, and he's told me too, like, now I'm treating my body a certain way. Mm -hmm. I didn't do this. Like, how good could I have been? And you, like, learn all... As you get older and you learn all these things, mm -hmm. but then you back off in terms of your drive or physical capability, maybe. But um, back to you, the light heavyweight title, like, you're very much in the thick of that race. Mm -hmm. How do you view the draw in December and then Jamal beating Glover for you? You know, the, the, the draw was weird. Um, that, that's just, uh, and then the, the, the quick pulling Jamal out of my fight with me and it's, you know, going right to the Glover fight, how quickly that happened. That whole thing was, seemed very snap reaction, which is not super indicative of the UFC all the time. So mm -hmm. that was kind of odd. And, and I, the Jamal and Glover fight went a lot like I thought it would, especially going and training with Jamal and helping him out, um, leading into that. I think that it just kind of the the perfect storm, the way that Glover grapples, the way that Jamal defends. Um, I think a lot of skill gaps can be closed in in this game with just some delusional belief in yourself. And I know that sounds crazy, but I, I think that Connor did it for a long time. Like, if Connor and Jose Aldo fought 10 times, I don't think Connor beats him like that 10 times, you know? It's sometimes just a delusional belief in, your, belief in yourself that just ultimate, I can do it and I'm gonna do it, changes a lot. 
So I think that Jamal is a perfect example of that where no one thought he could do it. But I go and train with him. And he like in there's certain situations where he has no reason to believe that he should be able to win in some of those positions. But he does. And and just that belief alone is sometimes enough to get it done. Um I, I think it was the perfect storm. I'm, I couldn't be more happier for those guys because I, I was in those locker rooms with them. I was in the gym with them in, um, you know, in his hometown. And it's, it's just very small, homegrown love. Those guys just love each other. And they just, it was, it was super cool to see it. And then to be there in Brazil and, and see him potentially have the performance of a lifetime uh, was cool. So, but it does very much leave the division open for a lot of people. It's Rakic is hurt, but he's he's also coming off a loss, mm-hmm. uh, albeit kind of a weird one. It's it's a loss. I'm coming off a loss again, kind of a weird one because it was you know kind of started with an injury. Um, Blahovic coming off a win over Rakic, again kind of a weird one, and then a draw. Magomedov uh, or Ankalaev. Um, kind of coming off of a draw, kind of a weird one. So I don't, it's weird up there. Yeah. The top of the division is, is real funky. Yuri's hurt. Um, I think the second that guy comes back, he deserves a title shot. I don't think anyone in the division would probably argue with that. Yeah. Um, which I think is a credit to, to him and how much respect he has in the division. He, yeah. The way he carries himself, the, it's not even just his skill set. I think everyone in the division feels like they can beat Yuri, especially in the, you know, the top six, seven of us. But the way he's carried himself, he doesn't talk trash. He's super respectful. He's he's humble. He 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 just he just approaches the game the right way. I think everyone kind of would step back and put their hands up and say that's that's him. The delusional self belief. I don't think you're crazy. I think the problem is there's not enough people that believe that. Yeah, I agree. Right? Yeah, I it, it's there's a couple people that it re, you know like um like Sean O'Malley stands out to me. Yeah, like. Connor obviously has made an entire career out of it, and and that's not saying that they don't have the skills. Um, it's just if you look at what Jamal's done, and you look at what Connor did up to some of those points, and you look at what Sean O'Malley and the people that he's beaten, they have no reason to believe what they believe. Like there's nothing, there's no, there's there's no data behind it that supports that, but they just believe it, and that's that's dangerous. That's super dangerous. Yeah. It's like beyond fighting, beyond athletics, it's like mm-hmm. a society thing. It's just like we always tend to want to pull down on ourselves and be realistic. Mm-hmm. And that often is like what totally holds you back. It's like right. I'm just being realistic. And it's just like, well, then that's going to be your reality. Right. Like people, those people are able to remove whatever ceiling most people in Other society people would put have. on them. And, you know, it's like Sean O'Malley had no reason to believe. There's no data that supported it. There's no... There's no research you could have done. There, there was nothing to say that he should have went in there where he was at in his career and then get a win over a guy like Peter Young. Right. There's nothing that says he should be able to do that. Yeah. But he had no doubt. And you could see it in his eyes when he talked. Like some guys, you can tell it's just kind of BS. They're just hyping it up. And you can tell they're trying to hype themselves up. You know, like Sean had no doubt. And I kind of seen something similar in Volkanovsky's eyes and the way that he's talked yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was watching that, that face off. Like, that was, I just seen that, like, oh, he has no doubt. Right. Like, there's no question to him. Yeah. That's crazy. It is. For you, um, as we've talked a lot about other fighters, you've become 
<clears throat> we were talking about this last night off camera. You've become somewhat of a headline generator. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unintentionally. You're, like, how do you... Like, when did that click for you? Because you've had this long career, you're a veteran, and then all of a sudden, you just, it's like boom, boom, boom. And you're not trying to be this clickbait guy. No, no, I, I don't know when I started becoming the clickbait guy. It's, you know, the, the podcast with Bisming um, has started that a little bit because we do talk in such long form that there is so much to it. And we, we kind of go all, you know, Bisming and I have said some crazy things about unrelated stuff to MMA. Yeah. So sometimes like, man, I hope nobody listens to that. You know, like, <laughs> that's a bad one. Yeah. But it's always MMA related. And I, I, I don't, I, I think that it's kind of started after the fight with John Jones and I started speaking, I started working the desk more and I started speaking in, in somewhat absolutes. Mm. Um, That'll I, do it. When I really believed in something. Yeah. And then for the longest time, it was like, I was right constantly. Like I would really bold statement, super absolute terms. And then it was right most of the time. And then people started paying, paying attention. And All now, while you just fought for a title. Mm -hmm. You're, you had never achieved that level of credibility as a fighter. Right. So right. word carried a lot. So then it was, then, I, then what I would say was, you know, had some credibility to it. And now I think that sometimes the media is used to me speaking in such absolute terms. And then I get caught up sometimes just BSing with Bisping or, mm -hmm. or just chit-chatting back and forth. And then it's being sometimes held to the same standards. If I'm saying this is absolutely going to happen, here's how it is, you know. And I'm not always speaking like that. Yeah. Do you like it? I mean, I don't really care. But ultimately, way. it's good for your career. It is. It's very good for my career. I, the only people that ever really have anything to say about it is you know your quote-unquote twitter trolls yes you know it, it's so it doesn't really bug me too much my my profile's grown significantly guys in the media as far as i guess on the broadcasting side maybe less media but broadcasting guys have made absolute careers over being kind of the hot take person mm -hmm. uh, i'm not trying to do that i'm just speaking my opinion but it, it is it is written in the, in the media as hot takes um, right you know like a guy like Stephen A I would never compare myself to him but Stephen A doesn't always believe the stuff that he says but he's very absolute about it yeah you know? so it's it is what it is people people pay attention I do sometimes get sick and constantly scrolling through Twitter like Anthony Smith says Anthony Smith says like I don't say that much right it's I don't say that much but it's definitely written about a lot some people like to avoid that especially like fighters they have the respect of like they don't want to talk about others or they don't want to put an opinion out there because they're afraid that it'll come back and bite them in that personal relationship or in a professional relationship setting. Mm -hmm. You don't seem to have that. No, I don't really hang out with fighters. I never have. And that's probably why you don't have that. I don't have it. Yeah, I don't. I And it's not that I avoid hanging out with fighters. I just never really have. Even, you know, I do my training camps at Factory X. Like, I love those guys, but I don't, I don't hang out. Like, I'm a... I'm very different in the sport. You don't have to face them daily. D no, I like after I'm a, a media thing. Yeah, no, I, I don't ever have to because I, I'm I live a different life than I would say. Seventy percent of the fighters in the UFC. I have. I'm a dad. I have four kids. I'm married. I, I live in a, you know, in the Midwest in Nebraska, which mm -hmm. isn't like this huge hub for mixed martial arts. Um, I travel to Denver, but it, I only hang out with my team. I don't go to local MMA events. I don't, you know what I mean. I just, I don't hang out with celebrities. I don't hang out with athletes. I have 
a few friends on the team in Denver that are similar in age, similar in kind of lifestyle. Like Cody Brundage has a couple kids, yep. he's married. Dustin Jacoby's married, he's my age. Like, you know, Rob, um, the PFL uh, 205 yep. champion. He's my age. He's got a long time girlfriend. So like stuff like that. Like guys are similar to me. I'll hang out with. But um, you know, most MMA fighters are, are wild animals and they're young guys <laughs> and they party hard. You know what I mean? This yeah. is not me. So uh, being that you are a headline generator, um, <laughs> I don't want to guarantee generating all these headlines, but I wouldn't hate it for the show's sake. But thirty years, right? UFC celebrating thirty years mm-hmm. this year. A couple of quick hitters, if you will. What do you think should be celebrated about MMA and the UFC that maybe we don't celebrate enough? We take it for granted a little bit. Well, that's well, that's a hard question. What's it? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if there's a easy answer for it. Yeah, there's really not. Um, I, I don't. I don't. You know, obviously, we've talked a little bit about the slap fighting thing. I think that the UFC was, in the sport in general, was very much looked at similar to how a lot of people are looking at Agree Dana, with that. Dana White's slap fighting league. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't necessarily know if the slap fighting is going to take off and be in someday being in a position that the UFC is in. I, I don't, I don't know if I see that happening. But I think that it was very much looked at like that at a point in time where people were disgusted and kind of threw their hands up with it. I think just the fact that we... It's very easy to say, oh, we made it here and here's where we are. I think the fact that the UFC was able to get accepted kind of broad spectrum uh, is a little bit of an anomaly mm-hmm. that it's even made it... That it was even accepted that we're on ESPN. It's crazy that for me to like... I guess that's maybe the easiest answer is like, hey, can we step back and realize yeah. 30 years ago what it was mm-hmm. and the fact that we're about to go to ESPN headquarters? Right, it's wild. And like be talking about MMA and UFC 284. You, you know, I uh, I was getting my makeup done yesterday and the makeup lady, uh, where we getting touched up mm-hmm. right before we went on uh, at the end? And she said, oh my God, I love your hand tattoos. And I thought to myself, I wonder how long, how long that's been happening. How long has there been on-air talent at ESPN headquarters that we're in a position for someone to say, oh my God, I love your hand tattoos. Mm-hmm. But that's like a very UFC specific thing. Like, Absolutely. I fell in love with this sport almost immediately because I was accepted just for who I was. It, I didn't have to be anybody else. I didn't have to, you know, I was kind of floating around in life, not figuring it, not really knowing what I was doing. And MMA just accepted me for who I am. And, and most of the time, celebrated it you know for being just a crazy person mm-hmm. um but the ufc that's very ufc specific you you got hand tattoos you're cheeto you got tattoos on your neck and on your head like if you know what you're talking about we'll give you an opportunity you yeah. know what i mean but i i think that that alone is just is is given opportunities to people like me that shouldn't necessarily maybe be in these positions of an opportunity i would just say to tattoos in general like there's a lot more nfl players with tattoos for sure and sleeves and mm-hmm. whatever but obviously it's on it's on the next level with <laughs> mma fighters yeah. if you fast forward 30 years have you thought of like a big change that you think maybe will happen slowly but in 30 years it'll be like a kind of a major change to the sport um well i think it'll be you know, it's one of the biggest sports in the world, but, you know, like basketball and soccer and football, like little kids are doing that from 
when when they're little. You yeah. Know? I think MMA will eventually be there. You know, it's Laura talked yesterday about kids in Russia are, you know, we put our kids in soccer when they're four and five years old. In right. Russia, they're doing sambo. Yeah. So I, I think that MMA will be like that in 30 years where it will be, we're going to put our little kids in jujitsu. And, and so I think that that's going to help continue to grow the sport. But I don't suspect that we're going to get a whole lot of like differences in the game. I, I think that the rules are you know, like basketball rule. You know, basketball tweaks the rules a little bit here. Yeah. Football changes some of the yeah. the rules a little bit, but by and large, it's for the most part the game is the same. I think MMA will be the same. Well, there's not as many moving parts because it's one v one. Right. Like football, like how many possibilities are there? Yeah, Twenty two guys so on a field things. and seven refs and whatever. Right. But <clears throat> the other thing is too, it's like you know weight cutting is you know its own issue, and I just go, yeah. I just don't know as a promotion how you promote an event and then do like you can't cut weight or like make I don't know how you do that well there's definitely going to have to be some change without like you have to weigh in on the day of the fight but then you're flirting with a whole new that's thing. a whole problem too it's like yeah. a real problem that the event could get canceled type right of thing. right well and then and I'm like then you can't even have a thing and then people people are going to get hurt really badly because they'll, they'll push it they'll push they push a day gonna, of and you can't you can implement as many rules as you want. MMA fighters are just different breeds of people, and they're gonna push it, even if they say they're not. Even if you tell yourself, "I'm not gonna push it," as time goes on, you're gonna slowly keep pushing that envelope until something bad happens. That's just how it is. So, I don't know what the answer there. I think I suspect there's gonna be a bunch of. You know, I think we're gonna end up with our own scoring system, and and over time that'll get figured out. But the weight cutting thing is gonna be forever a thing yeah it's true there's no way for it to not yeah. to be in, in any weight sense. sport right. I guess the only way would be <clears throat> boxing has like weight classes every four pounds so it's just like okay you don't you don't have to try to weigh 155 or 170 when you weigh right. whatever it is you mm -hmm. know if you if there's a 155 159 165 169 yeah. and whatever you right. know, it's a different thing for you <clears throat> so I've been with the UFC five years and it was right around it was like I don't know for me when I look at your career you were like this veteran but 2018 mm -hmm. was just like I feel like your career did this and then this and it's like yeah it's like how do you look back on your career and like make sense of how far you went in such a short amount of time I I was always kind of floundering around but I I've never lost. I've never lost a fight where I felt like I could never beat that guy. Mm. It was always, I was just missing a piece of the puzzle. Always, like, just always something that I was struggling with. But it wasn't. I never felt like I just got beat by the better guy. Maybe that's that delusional belief in myself. Mm -hmm. Maybe I was just getting beat by people that were better than me. I just wouldn't believe it. Um, so I, I just kept kind of plugging away. I took a lot of losses early. But once we stopped cutting to 85, made the, the biggest difference initially. I just, I was spending training camps getting better and not getting skinnier. I was not so stressed out. I, everyone else around me wasn't so stressed out. The, the weight cuts were absolutely miserable. So once I was able to do that, that made a big difference. Um, I've said for a lot of years that the hardest place to hang out is when you're ranked like probably 
13th or 14th to like 20th. Mm -hmm. It's the hardest place to hang out in any division because everyone right there is so good. And so you're just knocking off your own people, like your own prospects, you know, like you're killing your own. So like all these guys are down here just battling it out. It's like, here's where the real war is. So when I moved up, I fought Rashad and then I was on my way to start battling out with your guys like Dustin Jacoby. He's good enough to beat anybody, mm -hmm. but he's down there. He's got fights with Khalil and he's got this other Russian new guy. And he's, you know, like that's where the bulk and the, the hardest of uh, uh, like area to live in a division is right there. Because everyone's right about the same level and they're just knocking each other's heads off. But then I got the Shogun fight, so I got to jump all of that. And I didn't have to do all that bullshit that was down below. Mm -hmm. So then it, I, it was, I jumped right into the rankings at number eight. I went from unranked to number eight. And then the next fight after that was went Rashad, Shogun. Vulcan. Vulcan. So then Vulcan was number two. So then I went from eight to, you know what I mean? I was able to kind of... You went Rashad to Shogun to Vulcan to John Jones. Yeah. So I was able to skip a lot of the yeah. heavy lifting. I don't want to say that it, it was not any easier. The fights were still really hard, but I didn't have to do as much of it. And and so that that helped a lot where I just I just took really tough fights, you know. And then after John Jones, it was Alexander Gustafson. Mm -hmm. And then from Gustafson to Glover, from Glover to Rackage, Rackage to, you know what I mean? Like Yeah. And then you're in like main events pretty much exclusively. Right, main events right. or huge pay per Crazy events. hard fights. Yeah, and right. all really hard fights. But I didn't, because of my age and the miles, I think I was super fortunate to not have to swim around in that lower shark tank. And, mm -hmm. I, and I believe wholeheartedly that I would have done just fine and, and still rose the ranks pretty quickly. Um, but. I did get a, a Shogun gave me a huge opportunity, and I'll always be thankful for that. I get what you're saying though, because it's almost like if you, like in the PGA Tour, it's like okay, if you're like a top golfer that's like won some majors and whatever, mm -hmm. okay, like you're kind of made, right? right? You don't have to worry about your status or whatever. If you're that guy that's like flirting with like, I need to stay on the tour for next year, <laughs> yeah. that's like a fierce battle yeah, where hard. there's only an, a certain amount of spots, mm -hmm. and not to mention in fighting. If you're if you're 12, you don't want to fight 16. Mm -mm. You want to fight nine. Right. And if you're 16, you you you'll you'll cut off your left leg to fight 14. To fight 14, but like you're getting matched up with like Dave, you guys. So like you're right. It's it's a it's a it's down a, there. It's a, a real mess. battle. I've it's never a, thought of that. It's a 13 to 20 ish. There. Yeah, that's a battle down there. And those and guys depending are on the so division hungry. too. And they'll continue to fight so often because they're not making any money. Right. So like. They're willing to do anything. They'll fight on short notice. They'll fight hurt. They'll fight, like that type of hunger is different. Like I'm not unaware that us in the top five live a different life than the guys that are unranked down in the you know in the twenties. Like mm -hmm. I'm not unaware of that. So we have to find a different reason to be motivated. You got to find that hunger. I think it's some of the problems Connor's had and a lot of the guys at the top. Um, it's, those guys are just built different. That's why I was so nervous going into the Devin Clark fight because he just wanted it so bad. Mm -hmm. And I was like rank six and he's unranked. Like it's a terrible place to be. Yeah. It's a terrible place to be. Yeah. Um, what's the value in taking the long road? Because you kind of did take the long road. I don't even know. I don't know what the value is. But there's it's, a lot uh, of value. There, for sure. For sure. I think that, I don't know, just the... Uh, the appreciation for sure 
I think just the, the view from 30,000 feet just on everything I think is valuable. I think that sometimes you see these, I always call them younger guys. It's not like I'm some super old guy, but greener guys in the game. I always tell them like, can't get too up and you can't get too down. But when your road's only been this long, like one big loss or, you know, in your head, it's a big loss. It could be like the end of the world. Um, I've got 16 of them and I'm still in the top five in the world. You know what I mean? Like yeah. one loss is not that big of a deal, but I have the luxury of a long road to know that that's the case Yeah, because I've lived it several times. So I think just some perspective on the game, it's like you can't get too up because you're probably not going to be there that long. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, that's just how the game is. So, um, I think the road, the long road has given me a lot of perspective when it comes to the broadcasting side though. Yeah. To, I don't know, to really see things for what it actually is. And it, we get so excited sometimes. And sometimes I have to remember to pump the brakes a little bit. I hope your road is uh, just as long as you want it. To be. <laughs> exactly. Thanks, exactly. Buddy. I appreciate you. Great man. chat, man. Hell yeah.